takes the 30 to Miles Powell. Kevin Willard and his Pirates pull out a 15-point victory over the Georgetown Hoyers. And what a special night for Miles Powell and the Seton Hall team. Number one scoring team in the Big East in Georgetown Hoyas holding them to 75 points. band for once. I think it's the only time <laughs> yeah, I know. Playing with some spirit. And the thing is, you read my mind as it was going through. I was thinking, damn, that's the fight song. I don't know that. <laughs> I know, I know. But if there was ever time that was appropriate to play it and let the whole world know, it was last night. Yeah, what the fuck happened? Dude, I mean, we'll get into it a little bit, but... I think the best response was everybody was optimistic going in. Like, you know, Nova coming off that 19-point blown lead against St. John's. But we were coming off the worst loss of Ewing's coaching career. Who in the name of God thought that Ewing would go from losing his worst game in a humiliating fashion and then beating his first-ranked opponent within back-to-back games? Yeah, no, I I think it's safe to say now that... We're on an emotional roller coaster. All aboard! Are you you riding or are you getting off? But right now, I'm on board and it may be the death of me. They may kill us all, (laughs) but let's get after it. Hell yeah. Nova. Fuck Seton Hall. <laughs> that might be the better yeah. response to that one. Yeah. But welcome back to DC's Take 5. It's your two main men, D and C, Dan and Carter, bringing you the heat per usual. Mm-hmm. But we got a lot to talk about. Yeah, this is this might be our, the most Georgetown week yet. If you want to think about it like that. When you think about the highs and the lows, like, I feel like I just came off a bender or something. You know what I mean? Oh, my goodness. I mean, let's just say this. I probably have the worst gambling luck out of anyone. And it's very simple. It's because you bet on the Hoyas. See, I bet on us against Seton Hall. We lose. And, you know, it wasn't like I bet, like, you know, 20 bucks. I threw a fair amount of money (laughs) And then I decide not to bet on us against Nova because I'm assuming that they're going to come out on Razor's Edge. And they win! 
I think the money line was like plus two twenty or something. I could have made some nice cash on See, that. See, but that's that's the that's the attitude that brings you back. You know, it's like, oh, I could have had this one. It's oh, the, it's, it's the what if that kills you. Oh, it's brutal, but Man, you're gonna need some money after you graduate, Dan. Dude, I am. It's just it's fun spending money. I get a kick out of doing it. But yeah. let's dive into the seat hall game. I I kind of was speaking to you about this throughout the weekend. Yeah, I think this was a solid mixture of. Us coming out flat, especially on defense, attacking like not not attacking the glass, but it was also a game where seemingly for Seton Hall the ball bounced their way. Yeah, in every sense of the word, they were winning every loose ball. Our team looked defeated. They looked out of it, and they just flat out got outplayed, mm-hmm. out hustled, and out coached. Yeah, well. You use the word a bit ironically there, but flat is what's sticking with me after watching this game because I think Ewing even mentioned that in the post game presser, saying we just came out flat, and I think that was almost the whole game. We, you know, obviously you could say, oh, we showed a little bit of fight in the second half, cutting things to eleven at some point, but the fact that we dug that hole so quickly was just—it's it, because we were flat. It, I can't really explain it, but it's just a dud. And I, I, those happen, I guess, with a young team. It's funny because when you look at Seton Hall and you analyze the way they play, their offense is really just a one-man yeah. show in Miles Powell. They're known for their ability to play press defense man-to-man and really affect the opposing team's guards, especially when they're trying to attack off the dribble. And we saw that. When you look at Mack and James's performance, they were each total non-factors and probably more of liability yeah, than an asset for Georgetown. Combined, they shot 2-11 two two with six turnovers and only nine points and one assist to six turnovers. Mac didn't even play 20 minutes, and James barely played 20 minutes. Yeah, Mac got into foul trouble early, mm-hmm. right? And that just, I think, set everything off on such a bad spiral. And you could see, too, we talked originally... Before the game, when we were previewing it, we both thought we would win because we saw historically that when Miles Powell doesn't have a great shooting game, Seton Hall rarely gets contributions enough from their other players to win. And we didn't do a bad job on him. I mean, he had some tough shots, but he was 4 of 12 from 3, 8 of 20 from the field. I mean, 10 of 10 from the line, which is a whole other thing. That's, you know, another epitome of the fact that, you know, we came out flat. They shot 22 free throws to our 11. Mm -hmm. But. I don't think as great as Powell played, he wasn't the reason we lost. No, it was the supporting cast of Seton Hall, just flat out abusing our supporting cast. This guy, Quincy McKnight, he's a fucking lockdown defender. And he had a great game passing the ball as well. Yeah. Nine assists, two steals, and a block. He's got some of the quickest hands I've ever seen. The amount of deflections he had in that game was unreal. Our boy John Fanta was tweeting about him pre-game, and he said, I mean, Fanta's a Seton Hall guy. But he said, keep an eye on Akinjo versus Quincy McKnight. McKnight's going to shut him down. And that's exactly what he did. McKnight's size, his anticipation, and his quickness really bugged the hell out of Akinjo yeah. all game. Yeah, and that, I mean, that shows uh, McKnight's not even a huge dude either. He's six, only 6'4", six, yeah. 185. So, I mean, he's, he's pretty skinny. And the fact that he was able to disrupt James obviously reveals a little bit more about what he struggles against. Definitely one of the more concerning aspects was just how terrible we looked on the glass in particular. We got out-rebounded 38-30, to but 
one of the most damning statistics of the night is when you look at player Michael Enzi. Um, Enzi's not really a great player. He doesn't average that many points. But he put up 18 points on 7 of 15 from the field with 8 offensive rebounds. My God. 8. Yeah. He had 1 defensive and 8 offensive. That's that's a real indictment on Jesse and Josh. Mm-hmm. And Trey in the few minutes he played. Trey, was, Trey actually was out that game. Really? I yeah, thought I was, yeah, I'm looking he, at the box score, I swear. No, you're right. My bad. It was Grayson Carter. Mm. And for all the gripe that we give Trey, and he deserves most of it, he was missed in this game. This was a game where Josh and Jesse didn't show up on the defensive end or on the glass. And Trey would have at least hustled. Yeah. Trey yeah. would have fought. And right there, this might have been Josh's worst game as a Hoya. Yeah, even though he had three blocks and his counting stats aren't awful, six points, four boards on three to six shooting, mm-hmm. he just he looked very uncomfortable and out of place. Exactly. He was slow closing out Mamu on a lot of three-point attempts. Mm-hmm. Mamu didn't miss a single shot. was perfect from, uh, from deep. And his stat line is incredible. 11 points, eight rebounds, four assists, and two blocks. Mm-hmm. Mamu was a force in the first half. And Josh just looked a step behind him the entire game. Yeah, yeah. See, I mean, and rightly so, the coach of Seton Hall, I forget, I'm forgetting Kevin his name. Willard. Kevin Willard. Um, the Bond villain himself. Mm-hmm. He ran with his starters so much. They all played over 30 minutes, and this guy, Enzi, you're talking about, played 38. So, I mean, clearly, there was a clear um, mismatch here between the energy that Seton Hall's starting lineup came out with and what we brought. I do think our bench did a decent job again, though. Yeah, they did. Are they at least keeping it kind of competitive? They did. They fought. Yeah. I mean, the game also isn't as close as the 15 points would indicate in the end, but we did have it down to 11 with about seven and a half minutes left, I think. And I knew we weren't going to win it, but, you know, kudos to them for fighting, I should say. Yeah, even though it was 11, it still never felt like Seton Hall's lead was in any doubt. Because every time we'd cut it a little bit, they'd hit a big three. Whether it was Miles Kale or Miles Powell, the two Miles boys, absolutely annihilated us from yeah. deep. And Kale isn't exactly a great three-point shooter. He just played lights out. Yeah. Again, it was one of those games where the ball was bouncing every which way for Seton Hall. And Georgetown probably really just couldn't catch a break. But it still doesn't defend the effort level that yeah. the starting five put forth. And sure, Jesse had a nice game offensively, scored 20 points on 14 shots, but his defense was inexcusable, especially down low. His effort on the glass wasn't there. Yeah. And I think the biggest indictment, and we keep using this phrase indictment, and I think it's important and it's very resonating with this performance, was Jacob Mosley had the play of his Georgetown career. And if there was any play that would get your team hyped up, it should have been that poster that he put Mamu on in the first half. Yeah. And Georgetown couldn't do anything after that. It's true. Didn't rile up the teammates. I mean, it was he got up. I didn't know Jagan had that man. He's a strong dude. I didn't know that he hops. Yeah, who who'd have thought that he would catch a body before Mac? Exactly. In their Georgetown careers, mm-hmm. and that was that was like a full body. Oh, he it like, was bad. I I. 
Jagan's the nicest guy too, and he even stared down Mambo afterwards. He was just like, "Dude, Come that on. was brutal." I let's. I want to see more of that from Jagan. He's he's been slowly but surely finding his way in Big East play, but that yes. was that was crazy, man. Greg also had a great game off the bench. Mm-hmm. Um, Seven of ten from the field, hit a couple of big three pointers. Yeah, four boards, second. four assists, no turnovers. Like, see, that's definitely, what, that, 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 that's what Greg does. He randomly. Has these breakout games, and they're just and then, all around amazing. That's yes. the thing. And then he's goes back into hibernation for like a six game stretch. Yeah, that's just kind of, I mean, that's just what it is at this point, right? Mm-hmm. I, this was his best game besides the Butler game, but he he hadn't scored in four of the last five before that. Yes, <laughs> and you know, only played a little bit against Nova in some uh, second half minutes again. But mm-hmm. yeah, this this game overall was really shitty. I think the fan perception of this game was just pure disgust and same old Hoya notion. Mm. And anybody who follows Georgetown or a team in general that just stinks, they have this notion, like, we're Jet fans, the same old Jets, you know? They have a good game, maybe string together a couple, then they'll put up a stinker like this. So this is just like, all right, for all the progress that we've made, it's like, you know... Well, this is still the same old team. Yeah. And the concern was that this loss ended our season, eradicated any chance of an at-large big to the tournament. And that's what fans were dreaming of this season, considering the fire that this team brought. And it was such a sour way to lose. But the week off was crucial. Yeah. Uh, One thing I remember seeing in the post-game of I think it might have been this game too. I know definitely the Butler game was just that that players kept referencing the quality of practices that they had been having or the lack of quality of practices. And I'm sure in the week off, I mean, this game, like you said, leaves a sour taste in the mouth. And from a fan's point of view, like creates an air of pessimism around the team. It's easy to get defeated. I was very defeated personally. I, I had kind of written the team off. I still went to the game against Nova, of course, because I fucking paid for season tickets, and <laughs> that that's like the most you know expensive game of the year. But I, I I'm really curious about what Ewing said to everyone or what he chose to focus on in that week off because we looked like a totally different team against Nova. We did, and I think Ewing deserves. <laughs> Look at that little technical error. <laughs> yeah. Some yeah. highlights coming back, yeah. I'm still trying to relive it. <laughs> oh, it's a great... It was a great performance. And, again, there was optimism around the team because of how... Just the way we've played up until that little two-game mid-February slump. Mm-hmm. There was still optimism. People still believed that we had a chance. We stuck with them on Super Bowl Sunday. when We played one of our worst games of the season. Mm-hmm. And I think the game plan... From Coach Ewing, who's absolutely outstanding. He recognized that Villanova has two basically top-tier players in their starting lineup, and Phil Booth and Eric Paschal. Booth is an absolute nightmare in the perimeter, can beat you inside and out. He actually had some nice moves in the post yesterday yeah. night, too, kind of channeling a little Jalen Brunson action yeah, from yeah, last year. on James. Yep. Which makes sense considering he has the size and strength advantage on James. And Pascal had a nice game as well, especially on the inside. But basically, you dared the supporting cast of Nova to beat them. Yeah. And he recognized that Gillespie was in a shooting slump going into the game. The boy who dropped 30 on us, Gillespie, 
was only shooting 6% from the field in his last three games leading up and only 15% from three. Yeah. And Sadiq Bey, Gillespie, Demir Cosby, Roundtree, mm-hmm. Jermaine Samuels, they couldn't do it. Nothing was falling for Villanova yeah. outside of shots from Booth and Pascal. It was just them, and it wasn't enough the way that Georgetown was clicking on the offensive end. Yeah, yeah. you want to you see this tweet that I found during the game? <laughs> Mac McClung is kicking Gillespie's ass right now. 77 likes, hell yeah. I think Mac took that a little personally. Yeah, absolutely should have. He, he was way more engaged on defense than he was in the last game against them, and just he has been in general. He even talked about that in the presser. He's just like, I need to be more alert, mm-hmm. which is a good sign of self-awareness from him. But yeah, the fact that we were able to neutralize most of Nova, and even Booth and Pascal, despite having good counting stats, they didn't shoot that well. No, they didn't. Booth was 3 of 10 from 3, 10 of 22 from the field. Pascal, 2 of 8 from 3, 6 of 10 from the line, 4 of 11 from the field. Like, we made these guys work for the buckets they got. We know how to beat Villanova. Jay Wright last year turned that Villanova team into the college version of the Golden State Warriors. Mm-hmm. They would devastate you from three. They'd line up five wide and just attack from beyond the arc. Mm-hmm. Driving kick. Yeah, and this team, while talented, they still do that. 53% of their shots from the field are actually three-pointers. Wait, seriously? They take more threes than twos? Yes. Wow. Yeah. Kudos to Zach Sasitsky for finding that stat. Yeah. But they only shot 23% from field. Last night, we did a great from job. Three. Yes, three. excuse me, from three. We did a great job of yeah, really shit, guarding right. three, the arc. My 65. Holy shit. Yeah. 60% of their shots were threes. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. But yeah, you're right. That was another thing uh, Jesse talked about in the presser, saying Ewing uh, wanting them to be way more attentive on running them off the line. Or, in some cases, which I noticed, letting bad shooters shoot. That happened a couple times with... Uh, uh, you know, Cremo or even Quinterly, mm. you know, they would rotate to the point and maybe even over help on someone like Booth or um, I forget who the other good shooter on their team is, but one of those guys and then just leave the other one open and make them hit it. Because at the time, Zadik Bay had an open look. Yeah, yeah, that was corner and passed it up. Yep. He was also one of six, yeah. yeah so he maybe not shoot, a good shooter. It would be a brick. And in the second half, you notice that the role players would become more tentative, yep. less likely, less willing to shoot that shot because they were so unconfident of their ability to knock it down. It was truly a brilliant game plan, game plan on this, on the perspective of Coach Ewing because he really demoralized Villanova in this game and flat-out out-coached Jay Wright. Yeah, I mean, coaching adjustment is one thing, but you also got to have the players to go there and execute it. Mm-hmm. And I thought... Team-wise, this was one of our best performances of the year. This was the best performance it of was? the year, I would okay. argue. Considering the quality of competition, what this game meant for this program that's seemingly on the rise, and for what it meant to Ewing, to Jesse, to Caleb, to Caleb Trey, motherfucking Johnson. Greater than Zion. <laughs> Heard it here. He has been our best. We've been saying it, bro. He's been... Our best bench player during Big East, and he doesn't get enough recognition, and it pisses me the fuck off. Well, he's getting a lot of shout outs from his teammates, which is good. He deserves every yeah. single one of them. Josh yeah. got into foul trouble early in this game, and Caleb came in and worked. Yeah. Boy had eight rebounds, three offensive. Yep. 
Eight points, three or four shooting, hit his free throws. He was just getting everything around the rim, playing his role so well. It's honestly like I'm a Caleb believer now. He's, he's I'm, very he's converted me on the court too. Really, when you because because where I sit from, Caleb does a lot of his work on the baseline. Okay, so you get to see since I'm a little bit higher up, you get to see how he interacts with his teammates. He's constantly talking. Really, very vocal with his body language, very positive, yelling at his teammates, encouraging. He's a great leader. That's good for what he is. Honestly, he's a quiet, nice kid off the court, but he is so crucial to this team playing well. And let's start from the beginning of this game and see how we kind of jumped out to this big lead. I think it's two words: Mac McClung. <laughs> yeah, boy was fuego from three. He could not miss. Couldn't miss. He also couldn't stop shooting, but that's another thing. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's a, he's a gunner. He's a gunner. He yeah, he shot. <laughs> he, he was fucking. He was just lighting it up. He was. It was. I was worried because you know after the first sec after the second three he made that was the really deep one mm-hmm. right. I was like, oh no, he's just gonna settle for threes now because he thinks he's hot. And in my mind, I was like, oh, he starts two for two. Ends three for ten. Like I could, Mac. That's happened a lot to Mac actually this year. Um, if I remember correctly, the Syracuse game too. Yep. Um, but yeah, and he just he just he just kept making them. <laughs> he was it was. I mean, for someone who missed their first seventeen threes of the year, shots looking pretty good now. Yeah, and I think that's uh that's the sign of a great player being able to adjust on the fly and. We still see that his offense still primarily is anchored by that three-point shot. Mm-hmm. He's very you can see he's so much more comfortable doing more diversified things when that three ball is falling because it forces defenders to press into him and it allows him more room to drive. Easier yeah. route. Yeah. And it, it, that's just simple logic when yeah. defenders press you they're more susceptible to being beat by a quick first step. And we saw that a little bit in the second half where he split the two defenders and had a nice little uh, pull-up bunny. That was schmexy. Oh, it was. But, yeah, he really kept us alive in the first half. I think he had, was it 17 first-half points or Yeah, it might have been. Well, because he had, he had all his threes and the and one with two free throws. Mm-hmm. So he had three free throws, four threes, and a two. That is 13, 12. 17 points, quick maps. Yes, 17 points. And I thought that James Akinjo had a very nice game overall when it came to recognizing when to pass yep. and when to shoot. There were some times, and he began to slip a little bit early in the second half mm. into the, I'm just going to shoot long mid-range jumpers. But primarily for the first half, when he took his threes, they were stepped into. Yep. in rhythm. Yes, the nice pass from Mac. When Mac was slicing across the uh, lane, and he w- took one off of a high pick and roll with Jesse. Yeah, yeah, but his threes. I think in general his threes, he has good shot selection on. Mm-hmm. It's those mid range shots that sometimes get him in the trouble. And he even had a really nice drive where he went left and did a spin into a floater mm-hmm. right across the middle of the lane. I think that w- that was really impressive uh, and also a welcome sight because he didn't pick up his dribble or he didn't back it back out he's still over dribbled at times but james's recognition is definitely improving too yes and it was welcome to see because james was in a bit of a slump um by his own right 
Because yeah. Yeah. do you know the percentage that he was shooting from the field going oh, into this God. game? It's dude, it's bad. I looked it up after even including the Villanova game. It's like 23, 27. So, with the for the th- for a three-game stretch, the la- the previous oh, three games going into this game, he was shooting 2 of 23. 8%. God, I seriously feel like I could do better than that. I don't know about that one. <laughs> For those of you that don't know, Give me, we, oh, saw, oh, oh. we saw Carter, Carter actually stepped up in his boots and did this thing called Buckets for Books, which at halftime they select a, a brave soul from the student section, and you have to make a righty layup, a, a free throw, and a straightaway three-point mm-hmm. shot to get an attempt to make a half-court shot on one opportunity. And you have to do the you have to do the first three shots within 30 seconds to get the half-court shot. Honestly, that might have been the most exciting part of the game. Because <laughs> we were just beating them so badly. Yeah. <laughs> See, we were getting nervous when uh, we were watching up there when you missed the first two free throws. We yeah. Like, no. I, uh, I, I remember you, you sent me a video and you got really mad or really uh, upset when I tried to get the rebound of the first on uh, my first free throw and I mishandled it a little yes. bit. <laughs> and you were like, oh no, it's costing him time. But I think I did okay. Yep, he hit the three with nine seconds left, and the half-court shot looked good. Yeah, it it felt it didn't feel bad, but I didn't think I didn't think it was going in. I, I wish I could have had another try. Was it a little maybe, bit to the right? Maybe next year. Yeah, it was my follow-through, I think, because I came up and it was just like you know, I I kind of I shoot enough now to where I know if I if I if I flick too early, it's going to go to the left. If I mm-hmm. flick too late, it's going to go to the right. So. With that one, I think I was too nervous about just overshooting it or undershooting it. Yeah. So I waited until I felt that it was straight to flick, and then that's what made it go right. Uh, so I trust I'm a, I'm gonna give myself another try somehow. Yeah, because um, now that the nerves are out of the, the way, that's the thing, and you and you figure it out too because now I know like oh they have another ball there, so I don't need to get my own rebound. That's like my you know shooting by myself mindset kicking in. Mm-hmm. Exactly. It, was, it was a fun experience. Yeah, yeah. you know that's all you can. Look at I, I, you did, I, it was fun doing it in such a front of a, such a big crowd. The too. biggest crowd of the season. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It yeah. would have warranted rushing the court had you nailed oh, that dude, Stop! So many people are talking to me about it. I, really, I already feel bad that I missed it. But you're a mini celebrity now. <laughs> Welcome to my I'll status. Oh yeah, now I know what it feels like to be Dan Baldwin. Yeah, it's, uh, it's something. Yeah, <laughs> people walk around like, "Yo, it's the basketball guy." Yeah, I've always wanted to be a meme, so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If we if we make the tournament, I'm gonna this face, this gorgeous face, is gonna take everywhere over campus. Yeah, yeah, we'll just big picture of you in red square on the ground, <laughs> you with a little speech bubble saying, "Go visit Thompson's Tower." <laughs> nah, dude, we have enough. Visit DC's Take Five. We're on the up and up. It's true. That's true. But let's dive back into this game. If there's one... If there was a time where I was legitimately nervous about us blowing this lead, it was early in the second half. They cut it to six, I think. Yeah. It was an early... It was a couple... It was a bit of a... It was a quick four points by Nova. You called a quick timeout. Mm -hmm. Our offense was completely stagnant. Because if you think about what happened in the first half with how we were running our offense... A lot of it was just through McClung three-pointers. McClung yeah. and just James hitting outside shots, creating on their own. And you can adjust to prevent that. 
you saw that Jay Wright put Phil Booth on McClung in the second half. And Booth is a fantastic on-ball defender. Yeah. And a lot of the second half, Jesse Govan came up big. Yeah, just by being the tide. Yep. By being big. Mm-hmm. He got a lot of good offensive rebounds and putbacks. He probably had about seven points there. Let's see. Jesse so he had Layup. Seven straight, Jesse Layup. Yep, Jesse Layup. Um all of which, two of which were off of offensive rebounds, and then the other of which was a good pass by James. Yep. And, yeah, that was so important. I was really good. Even though we were up at half and I didn't embarrass myself in front of everybody, uh, I was still so nervous going into the second half. I was like, we are fucking far from done. Mm-hmm. Especially with Nova, especially with how they shoot and can get hot and how we can just suck <laughs> sometimes I knew and you know these plays I remember too right to end the half this is when uh, I think it might have been Jamarco hit his only three to put us up by 16 was it or uh, 17 Some, like a big amount right uh, it might have been 15 actually we have turnover layup miss shot <laughs> and then a miss shot and then uh, Phil Booth threw a lob to Someone I don't know. It might have been uh, Cosby Roundtree, one of their bigs, and that's just like a quick four nothing run off of a train. And I was like, oh no, here we come. I thought all momentum was lost there, and it did continue a bit into the second half. But we got lucky. Jesse, to his credit, mucked things up a little bit. You know, got physical, which we know he doesn't like to do very often. We're proud of you, Jesse, and uh, and came up big. And then I think once we were able to withstand that first you know, burst by Nova, I would say probably about until the first official TV timeout at the under-16 mark, then you know Ewing used that to re-steady our defense and get us to lock in again, and we pretty much played them even from there. We did. And I will say there was a point in the second half where game, the game was still within reach, and there was a lineup. That consisted of Jaden Mosley, Javon Blair, Caleb Johnson, Greg Malinowski, and Trey Morning on the floor, and I shit myself. <laughs> to put things very, uh, to put things very plainly, bluntly, yeah, I was crapping myself. Okay, we well, had no. You are, well, you already, you already, you already, you already, like you can't backtrack from. You already said you were shitting yourself. Oh, like, dude, it was bad. To put things less bluntly, <laughs> I don't know, like. I don't know if we can edit this out. It's a podcast. <laughs> but I was, man, I was sweating. I was like, what is he thinking? This lineup is not going to keep this lead. And yeah. they outplayed Villanova starters. Yes. Trey in the corner, baby. <laughs> Javon with that cross-court pass. The vision. Oh ah! You're you're like you're still stressed about this. I can tell. Oh, yeah. I don't know what happened there. Trey did the great thing where it was like he shoots before anyone thinks he's going to, so it's somehow an open shot. Like if you're right, <laughs> if you get it and shoot it within half a second of touching the ball, you know no one's gonna think that he has the uh, the gall to to make a play. Trey, he hit two jumpers, and then Greg had a jumper, and then Javon had a really nice step back. That's that's when I I knew we were gonna win. Oh, when Javon Blair's hitting cross up step back threes, you're just you like, know, oh, wow. you but know we're winning. Is, 
you know, it's the same. It's an interesting parallel now that you mention it to the shot that Greg hit against Butler when he did that between the legs step back. Mm-hmm. And just the confidence you have to have to do that kind of shows me something. Because this game, the game was far from over at that point. There were like six and a half minutes left. And even though we were up by 13, we could have easily lost it. But the fact that that lineup came in and was playing with such confidence against an amazing team, I think is a good sign. I agree. And I always, this is just a tidbit, I think it's so funny whenever Javon hits a three, he turns and like talks to the crowd a bit. It's like, bro, oh, yeah. you're a three-point <laughs> specialist. Like, that's you're it. supposed to do that. You doing your job. I never noticed that. I'll, I'll look for it now. Yeah, he turned to the crowd and like high fived him, and I was just laughing. I was like, oh, I oh, love, never changed Javon. Never yeah. changed. I love you. He's gonna he's gonna be a fun four year guy for us to follow and watch. Uh, the meme lord himself. Yeah. But in my opinion, the true play of the game was Akinjo and Govan channeling their RJ Barrett and Cam Reddish. Oh, yeah. Midway through the second half. I mean, a little less smooth. A little less smooth, but but a little bit more sexy. Yeah. A little Jesse gave him a little shoulder dip. Yeah. But James had the ball and was moving in transition, and I thought he did a wonderful job picking his spots in transition. Mm -hmm. But he cut from the left wing to the right side, and Jesse, who was trailing on the right side, James lifted up his right foot, bounced it between his legs. Yeah. Jesse caught it, took a step, leaned his shoulder, pulled up, drilled a three, and then, then, uncharacteristically, got vocal and visibly excited. Oh, yeah, just like you are now. He oh. was he turned towards the student section, which I was in, pointing at us, beating his chest, saying, let's go. It was the most animated I think I've seen Jesse all year. Caleb was bumping his chest. It was... It was a great sight. Yeah, even on the call, they said Patrick Ewing's got his boys playing hard. Playing disciplined. Yeah, making shots. And let me tell you something, Carter. You wouldn't want another broadcast pairing, except maybe myself and Zach, but Gus Johnson and Bill Raftery calling yeah. this game. Yeah, that I, the one thing I'm mad about actually going to the game for is that I missed that. One of my roommates couldn't make it. He watched the call and just said it was outstanding. And that's the funny part of broadcaster. When you're at a great game like this, obviously the atmosphere is incredible, but there's something to be said about a broadcaster who can get you so excited by simply his or her own call of the play. Hey, it's a tribute to how fantastic yeah. those two guys are yeah. what they do. Well, that's that's what you're working towards. That's what I'm going to hit eventually. Oh, hell yeah. I remember like when that I first attitude. broadcasted, a buddy of mine from Regis was like, do you know who Gus, Johnson's is? Gus Johnson is? And mm. I was like, no. And he's oh. like, that's who you remind me of. Wow. And I was just like, that is such a compliment. That is such a compliment. Oh, my God. Yeah, Gus Johnson, I mean, he's one of my favorite. Yeah. He's just oozes yeah. excitement. Yeah, he... All of the times that I watch compilations of the most intense moments in March Madness history, it, he's on 60% of the calls. He might have had the greatest. Do you remember when Isaiah Thomas was at Washington and he hit the Oh, the back, game in the Pac-12 championship? Yeah. Was that against USC? I believe so. He just screamed when he hit it. Like, he doesn't need to say anything to make his calls great, but I'm glad that he was the one to help deliver Here, let's the see. vocal... Just so we know what we're talking about here. You do what we want. It's our podcast. 
This isn't him, right? No, this isn't. Oh, okay, shit, my bad. Poor I'll keep out. going. I will, I will. We'll I'm figure gonna, it out. I'm going to find it, I'm going to find it. But I do want to say I love the student section. And this was just me like reflecting upon the performance. With about a minute left. Got you got it? Yeah, I got it. Sorry. This is, yeah, I know the Gus Johnson voice when I see it. Just yell. <laughs> <laughs> Man, I wish I could get paid to yell for a living. <laughs> yeah. I think the one time I actually think one of my most electric calls from last night was when Jagan got the ball on the baseline, got a nice little pump, got his defender in the air, mm. went up and laid it nice and in. Yeah. I was like, oh Jagan Mosley with the fillet. Yeah. The finesse, the finish. Yeah. It was, uh, if I do say so myself, one of my best broadcasts. Yeah. Please check it out on Facebook. Yeah, 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 yeah. Let's get back to the point I wanted to make. I was reflecting about the game and the students were chanting, hey, 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 goodbye. Like, nah, 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 nah. Yep. So. Music to my ears. It, 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 I thought it was symbolic of what this game meant to both programs first. It basically was, they were singing goodbye to the same old Hoya notion. Mm-hmm. The Hoyas of old, you think they adjusted all, come out and competed all with the number 17th team in the nation, Goliath of the Big East Conference, Goliath of modern day basketball? They probably get their clocks clean. We lost by 35 last year. Yeah. And now to win by 12, beating them by 19. Yeah. So that's one. And two, it eradicates the notion that we aren't capable of beating top 20 competition. Yeah. With a team that's run by basically three freshmen. Well, and, and Jess. And Jess. Yeah. He's, um, a bit, I mean, he's a bit of a, he's a bit of a, you know, contributor. Yeah, he's also a little bit. And it's also, yeah, lastly, it completely eliminates the notion that Patrick Ewing is not the right man. To bring this program back to national yep. relevance. Yep, I got to eat my words on that one too because I think the the last month and a half I've been very impressed with what Ewing's been doing with the team. Uh, I knew he was saying all the right things, but I I wanted to see him put his money where his mouth is. And naturally, because I'm a little more cynical, I would look for moments when we don't step up and say, "Ah, I told you so." But this, I mean, this is our first ranked win in like five years. Easily Ewing's biggest win as a coach. And it didn't feel like a fluke. No, it didn't. That's the thing. Even in the post game, Jay Wright was like, these guys just beat us. And they're really good and yeah. really talented. And I was like, shit, are we? Really? And I guess so. And now, great win. We're seeing delusion on Twitter. We're seeing Andy uh, Katz put us in as a playing game in the tournament. We gotta keep, but again, one game, one possession, at a time. one step at a time. Yep. That next step is at Creighton. Saturday, two uh, thirty p.m. Fox. I feel like we said this is the biggest game of the year. Oh, every game from now on is gonna be the biggest game of the year. Unless, this is unless, unless win. Unless we lose against Creighton, and then we're kind of toast. I think we're toast for an at-large bid. Yeah. 
But what do you what are your thoughts going into it? I know you personally, and honestly, but you say so. At Creighton scares me. Yeah. At Creighton gives me the heebie-jeebies. I want no part of Creighton at Creighton. I dude, I don't really want a part of Creighton. Period. Like I've told you this and said this numerous times on the podcast. I don't like how we match up with them, and I'm especially on the road. Like I know that they just have lost. Their, um, their last four games, I think, before playing DePaul recently, right, and beating them. Uh, and this was, they, you know, they lost a home game to Seton Hall. Uh, so it's really well, They were tough. winning the entire game. Yeah, and it's tough to really compare, you know, how we view them. Uh, but I don't like the matchup. Even ESPN doesn't either. They give Creighton a 78% chance to win, which is obviously too high. But, like, I just, oh, man. I, in a weird way... It's almost a good thing that I don't like that we're playing on the road because we had a real home court advantage against Nova, I think, for the first time all year. I would agree. I absolutely agree. that undoubtedly helped us, right? You could see Jesse interacting with the fans, you know, me getting everyone hyped at halftime. Like, it's just a different type of energy. Mm -hmm. And that's, you know, when you're on the road, all of that has to come from within, which I don't doubt with us, but... It just it gives me more reason for pause. And this is a young team. They're immature. It's not a bad thing. It just means they're developing. Yeah. But God, imagine if imagine yourself as a college freshman <sighs> trying to do the shit that they're doing. Oh my God. Yeah. No. No. I mean, word on the street is that they're uh, they're going to be partying tonight, and that kind of scared. What did Cromarty? That's what he said. Um. And, you know, every, they have every right to party, but the thing is, you can't get, you can't develop hubris right now. You haven't accomplished anything. Yeah, we, we, I mean, if you're looking at our roadmap, we got to win at least four of the next five to have a shot at the tournament. Not even a lock, a shot. shot. As in, like, we're a bubble team that still wouldn't surprise me if we don't get a bid. Mm-hmm. And that that's assuming we also keep it somewhat close with Marquette, which I don't even... Which could totally not happen. Sup, Marcus Howard? So I, yeah, if you want to get you know back spasm again, that'd be that'd be pretty cool. Yeah, nothing crazy because you're an incredibly entertaining player. You're yeah. incredibly talented. Just, just like a one half absence or a one game absence. Just, just you know, bless like we deserve this. <laughs> but we, we need this. But what do yeah. you think? Do you think we can? Do you think we have what it takes to beat Creighton at Creighton? I do. Oh, I think we lose. I do. I'm I'm going with. Against my gut, because my gut tells me we lose, and my gut's being a little cynical, and I want to take a turn being a little more optimistic. I think we win because I think that we play much better defense against them. Namely, because I think when we played them the first time, we underestimated them, and they caught us off guard. I agree. And in that game, we had absolutely no business losing it, and we did. Yeah. Um... And, and, you know, an underrated thing there is our offense went... Creighton, I think, I was looking at their splits, they're not that much better on defense on the road. Uh, at, you know, or at home, I should say, than on the road. So they're, you know, for them, being home really helps them just score more. And we already scored really well, you know, when we played them last time. Their defense you know, our is offense, Yeah, our offense was coming really easy. And... To be honest, I really think it just comes down to whether or not Mac is on from three. I feel like that's what it's going to be for a lot of our games. 
It's going to be whether Mac is on from three or Jesse plays good defense. Yeah. Because the rest is probably, you know, the rest is puts us in a decent chance to win every game. But whether or not we actually win, I think. Comes I do think that this team has progressed a lot since that game. Because you look at the starters from that game. It was Josh, Jesse, Mac, Jagan, and Greg. Well, that was the game that James was, the was James benched, benched after the Marquette. But then, that was when Jamarco was still struggling with confidence. Caleb wasn't really contributing the way he is. So, it's going to be important to see, one, how James manages the game and how he manages his shot selection. Mm-hmm. Two, whether, whether Mac is on from deep or not, which I think he probably will be, considering how poor... Creighton is at on ball defense. Yeah, this game this game's got the makings of a shootout. Yeah. And I think I think you're gonna see continue to see an aggressive Jamarco picket from the wing, which is very important for Georgetown. Mm-hmm. But I'm picking us to lose. Do I believe we will lose? I don't know. But I've been wrong a lot this year. And every time <laughs> I've been every time I pick I picked us to lose against Villanova, we won. I picked us to beat Seton Hall, we lose. So I'm picking us to lose here with the hope that they go out and win. Yeah, yeah. I'll I'll play devil's advocate and say that we win because uh, I've also been wrong a lot and I'm okay with it. So <laughs> Yeah. Let's just be start yeah. being productively yeah. wrong. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I honestly I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if this isn't a close game either. In either direction. I, it's Lord, got it's got like a it's got like a combustible nature to it, you know. Where we if we keep this energy going, um, then I I could see us I could see us being you know beating them pretty pretty soundly. But we could also just get run out of the gym. Oh, absolutely! If right, our defense like, just doesn't show up. Things that's the thing. There are no guarantees with this team, no. other than a lot of stress. Yeah. So I I don't know what to say, but I'll I'll pencil in that we beat them. Welcome to the roller coaster. Yeah, I know. What about? Um, what about DePaul? That's well, that's another, a game that's where uh, if you don't beat DePaul twice, bye-bye tournament. Yeah, yeah. We'll I, beat DePaul I, at home, I think. Yeah, I definitely think so. DePaul's a solid team. They're better. They're kind of on a similar track as us, to be honest. They're, With yeah. less talent. but I agree. They're on a three-game losing streak, but they've, they beat – they won at Xavier. They beat Providence at home. They they got spanked by Marquette at home. They lost at Butler. They lost at home versus Creighton. This team, it, it, they have solid players, but <laughs> they beat St. John's when they were ranked. Bro. Yeah, yeah. See, like you look at their players, and obviously Eli Kane is talented. Max Struess is talented. Paul Reed's a solid player. Like they have four players that average double figures, and a fifth that averages nine point six. Yeah. They have a lot. They're pretty deep, but I mean, true suits under forty percent from the field. Yeah, so they're not efficient at all. They don't play great defense, and our boys. I mean, Femi Olajobi. He's there. He's one of their best big men. He's a senior, six nine, two fifty eight. Honestly, he's close to. He's from Long Island. Oh, word. Yeah. Damn. So. Let's do that. So who knows? Maybe he gives Jesse some problems down low. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, in the, the thing is, it's the first time that we play these bigs that they give us problems. Like, mm-hmm. you know, Nate Watson bullied yep. Jesse the first time, but he locked him down the second time. Yep. We'll see when he plays Theo John again. But Theo John is a UFC fighter. Yeah, seriously, he, he chose the wrong sport. But yeah, I I think that I think that we beat him. 
I, I don't even want to t- entertain the uh, possibility. Yeah, that we're we don't. Just, yeah, we're because be that's done. just that's like we're so done if that happens. If we lose to DePaul in either game, you know, wrap it up was a great season. We got to regroup for the Big East tournament. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Uh, but I, I don't, I don't think that'll happen. I don't think so. Yeah. I think we at least take. I, I, I look for us to rattle off a three-game win streak before we meet next. Mark at Marquette. No, I mean like in the podcast. Oh, oh, okay. You look for that, including yeah. And then right. we're gonna be going into Seton Hall, Senior Day. That might be the game of our. That might be the game of the year. Because us win, and Seton Hall are pretty much neck and neck yes, as far as are. records and you know Big East. Wins are and I think I think if we're on a three-game winning streak, you're gonna look for our guys to come out pissed. Oh, we in we that can, game. and we can beat Seton Hall. They're not that good. They're not. I don't. I mean, I might have to start eating my words on that too. But they don't look good when I watch them play. No, they don't. It's so strange how Kevin they beat Willard these is a teams. Fantastic head coach, though. Yeah, that might be it. Honestly, see, Fanta was actually asking people who their um. Big East Coach of the Year would be, and right now I, I, it's hard to pick. At the moment, it really depends I'd on. I'd say it's the Marquette head coach, Wajo. Yeah, I don't know about that one. Dude, their defense has taken such a jump, despite not really having any new. Yeah, but if you if Georgetown somehow finishes third, how could you not give it to Ewing? Ooh, that's true. That's true. If we finish third, how can you not give it to Pat? That's true. Well, that's that's you know. I'll wait to see that happen before I <laughs> before I uh, make any judgments. Exactly. But yeah, I wonder if um, if we're talking awards now. I wonder. I saw something about Jesse being a semifinalist. I think for the Kareem Abdul Jabbar mm-hmm. Award. I think he could win that. You think so? I mean, it's pretty much him and Ethan Happ, right? It'll be Happ. You think so? It's just the natch. It's the, the national perception around Ethan Happ. They view him as the cream of the crop of traditional big men down low. Well, what is he? He's 18, 10, oh, 5 assists. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he doesn't shoot threes or free throws. My God. What's his average? 43% from, from the line. Well, that is horrendous. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, I'd agree with you. He'll probably win it just because yeah. Wisconsin is – I mean, are they good this year? They're ranked, I think. Oh, yeah. Okay. Well, that's uh, – that's something that's we're not. That. That's something we're not. Yeah. yeah. But um, Mac could even win Biggie's freshman of the year. Yeah. It'll be Mac. I think Mac would win it. I think James. Mac should be the favorite right yeah. now. It used to be James, but now Mac. Mac's been better in conference play than James. Yes, I agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. So I'd say Mac and James are probably a two man. Honestly, you could look at Joey Hauser and make an argument for him, but I don't think, especially considering the importance of. Mac and James to this team versus Hauser to Joey Hauser, not Sam. Um, the guy who torched us for 30. Um, his importance and his role for Marquette is much less than what Mac and James are carrying. Yeah, I agree. So I think it's going to be between the two of them. And I think Mac should be the favorite right now. How crazy would that be? Three star recruit to Biggie's freshman of the year. It's going to make for a great uh, shirt to sell. Very true. Very, very true. You're going to Georgetown to sit. Quotes, right? Yeah, Biggie's freshman of the year. <laughs> yeah. Hold that, please. L-O-L. Well, we're talking about um, Mac McClung guards at Georgetown. I think we have a bit of an announcement. Yeah, yeah. You want to you do that? Yeah, sure. So uh, we are bringing on our first player this Sunday for an interview at 1 p.m. 
ex-player, I should say, former player, Trey Dickerson, grad transfer, who was a point guard last year, fantastic player, great leader, very active on Twitter regarding Georgetown. We're excited to have him on. We reached out to him, told him what we were about. He's very gracious, very excited to come on the show, and I, we think we, we have some great stuff planned. Mm-hmm. It's going to be a lot of fun. And it'll be released Monday morning, our interview, and we hope you tune in. It, we, he should be a great guest to have. Yeah, yeah, this will be after the Creighton game, right? So we'll talk about that a little bit with him. Hopefully but also, a fun, positive interview. Yeah, <laughs> yeah hopefully, man. Um, but I think we'll also get a good perspective on what Patrick Ewing is like as a head coach, because he played for him last year. And also just his takes on the guards in general and what he's seen from the team. He's a very active follower of the team, as you mm-hmm. can tell if you take a look at his Twitter page. So I think he'll have a lot of good stuff to say. It'll be fun hearing. You know, he's not six feet tall. He's about 5'11", 5'10". It'll be interesting to see how he talks about the challenges of being a smaller primary ball handler at this level of competition. Yeah, it's it's impressive. We're gonna I'm gonna we're gonna do our research obviously about uh, what his journey was to get mm-hmm. to D1. And we're going to talk Iowa about and South a, Dakota mm-hmm. and Georgetown. But I think that it's going to be a really good interview. And we're excited to see what ha- what he has for himself in store for the future. Oh, 100%. He said, uh, he said he's trying to reboot his career. It took a little time off. But Word on the street is that Mulmore signed a contract as well. Really? Yeah. Where? Not in the NBA, somewhere else. Yeah, I would, yeah. Not in the NBA. I, I meant where as in, you know, what, co- what bacon- country. The Baconator was saying it. Okay. Um, so I gotta I gotta scout out his, his Twitter. Yeah, I, I can maybe do a little stalking now, but good for him. <laughs> yeah. Um, so definitely tune in. It'll be released Monday morning. Um, again, if anybody else has any ideas for interviews, definitely hit us up. You can hit me up on Twitter and Carter through email because <laughs> Carter doesn't own social media. Yeah, sorry. You know he's a man in disguise. <laughs> yeah, I seriously, dude, don't knock it till you try it. Don't knock it till you try it. But made Dan Baldwin at the Baldwin era on Twitter. Because goddamn yeah. right it is. <laughs> yeah, you're right. You gotta. You need that. You need that. Yeah. But with that being said, I think that's a wrap for an episode. 100%. Yeah. Um, fingers crossed on the Creighton game. Yeah. Nothing's too safe now, but I am enjoying the Nova win. Absolutely. Well, I'll probably start transitioning towards more apprehension and nerves. After tomorrow, <laughs> I say give myself a night or two to enjoy it, right? Oh, I'm already maybe we nerves. maybe. Oh, really? Oh, okay, I, was already, I was thinking about Creighton today, and I was just like, oh my god, we can't lose this uh, game. Right, maybe maybe we'll run into a you know Mac or James or Jesse at a party somewhere and be able to ask them what their thoughts are on the game and ask them uh, if they're out past their curfew <laughs> <laughs> and I, and knock a beer out of their hands if we see one no like no super you <laughs> no extra carbs <laughs> yeah but with that being said uh, it's a wrap appreciate everybody for tuning in as always my name is Dan Baldwin you're Carter Owen peace Hoya Saxo, Saxo.